This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Mind Sculptors. I am your host, Callahan. And my goodness, uh, it's been a long two weeks, but... I'm glad to be back, and we've got a great show lined up for you all today. But before we get into it, just want to take a moment to remind you that if you do like this episode or any of the other episodes here on Mind Sculptors, please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment down below. If you want access to our Discord server, uh, as well as some extra, I don't want to say content because we don't upload content there very consistently, uh, but some extra stuff. Sometimes we release polls on what to make and yada, yada, yada. Uh, make sure to head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash the mind sculptors, or you can just check out the link in the description as well. Today, I have, again, being my lovely co-host, my fellow Sculpty boy, Scoots, is joining me today. Scoots, how are you doing today? Good, thanks. How are you? Uh, my voice is better than it was on Sunday and Monday, but still recovering. Uh, so <laughs> sounds lovely as usual. Yeah. Uh, I, I was not capable of not sounding like this, <laughs> uh, on, uh, on Sunday and Monday. Um, but also joining us again, uh, is your commander mechanic, Chris. Chris, how are you doing today? Uh, Cal, I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. Always a pleasure. Love having you on. And uh, also returning, I think this is actually, is this the first, first time on the first podcast, podcast for yeah. you? Okay. Uh, first time on the podcast is Dan, otherwise known as Moderately Anonymous MTG. Actually, no, it's not the first time you've been on the podcast, technically, because you you presented during the award uh, show. That's true. Yes, actually, Each I did do that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That was on the podcast. So te- technically, you have been on before. Uh, but so today we're going to be talking about, uh, again, going to be looking more at the MLC draft and uh, really the way that Marchesa 2022's results are going to be influencing it because, by golly, I, I mean, I was there. It's it, people were talking about it, like literally when people were not talking about Marchessa, they were talking about the MLC, so uh, which was really cool for me. Yeah. So when we look at this, uh, one of the first things I want to look at here is the fact that Koi. How do, I, I mess this up every time. How was it you said his name was Scoots? It's, I think it's Koi Bito. Koi Bito. Okay. If we are mispronouncing your name, I apologize. Um, so uh, they won uh, Marchessa 2022 with Magda Brazen Outlaw, which, as we talked about. On our last episode, it looks like Nick is pretty committed to taking as his first pick. Yep. Now, uh, with that being said, uh, this is a deck that has really jumped up onto a lot of radars since then. And so, Scoots, for some people who are unfamiliar with Magda and what's it do, what it's doing, I know this is a deck that you're a little bit more familiar with. How does this deck do like win things? Because I think a really good example is in the Marchesa Finals. Um, the, the reason it won 
was a blind or what was it a uh, what was it that got abrupt decayed? Uh, the it was the abilities cost two more. Uh, suppression field. Suppression field. A suppression yeah. field got destroyed from uh, Charles's board, and the druid player was planning to win uh, with their you know druid stuff as they were, uh, and they did not realize that Magda can just win at instant speed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Scoots, walk us through a little bit on how this deck works and what it's doing exactly. Sure. So Magda is a, it's a layered combo deck, and it uses either artifact creatures or cards like Lico Metal Torque to make another dwarf an artifact. Uh, the big thing that Magda players love is uh, Universal Automaton because mm. it's a one-drop artifact dork. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you net five treasures somehow, whether via Dockside or via tapping dwarves over a series of turns. And then you, you put a search on the stack uh, by sacrificing five of those treasures and you generally get something like Clock of Omens. Yep. And then you tap uh, the Universal Automaton to make a treasure. Uh, then you tap the uh, treasure... That you you trap the clock of omens to untap the 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 artifact dwarf, and then you repeat this process over and over until you make a, a huge amount of tapped treasures, and from there you can put searches on the stack for. I think it's like it depends on the list, but it could be like cloudstone Curi- curio mm-hmm. and and scourge of valkis, and there's like. A bunch of different dragon or artifact baselines you can do. Some people do spine of Ishsa loops, and there's a lot of different things you can do. But uh, it is a deck that can, with five treasures in play, win on the stack. And, and through a rule of law. Yeah, and through right. rule of law, very notably, can win on the... And uh, honestly, until it gets to... Uh, until it gets to a certain point, if you can... You can, with Magda, if you have 10 treasures and there's even like a null rod in play, you can get something that removes the null rod and then go off over top of that, too, with the Clock of Moments ability. Yeah. Uh, the deck is very, very, like, it, it, it is important to uh, to note, this is a very good list, right? Like yeah, the, it's, the, it's very well constructed. Mm-hmm. And the thing about the uh, list that won Marchesa is it, it it was 33 cards different from the deck on the CEDH database. Mm-hmm. So it is a deck that you can put together in a bunch of different ways and still have it be extremely potent. Right. Right, right. And uh we we had seen that the list that was at Marchesa differed from the deck database list but was near identical to Very similar, the, yeah. the God of uh Commander He's got a commander list. Yep. And the, 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 even the pilot. Yeah. Even the pilot had said that they saw the God of commander list kind of at the last second and looked to see how they could change the deck up to be reflective of that. So it's it's uh, it's really cool. Uh, it's one of those decks that uh, it there. There's like so many parallel brewers making mm-hmm. this deck and then. Uh, you you find that eventually someone will coalesce all those ideas into into one and and get like the correct working Rube Goldberg machine. It's crazy, <laughs> but. Right, right? So so 
Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Chris. That, that would beg the question for me here. If Nick is still dead set on Magda as number one pick here, now that it's got some visibility, now that people know a little bit more about what it's trying to do and how it's interacting, is Nick playing an identical list to the one that won Marchesa? Or is Nick going in and gutting some of those packages? So, I mean, Nick has his Magda deck that that he plays, and I think it's pretty close to the one on the database. But Nick is uh, Nick is a heads up player, and his record in the MLC last year should not be indicative of, <laughs> of how good of a Magic player he is. Uh, and I mean that he will definitely go in, see the changes, make changes, and assemble. Uh, a, a tighter list, the, the tightest list that he possibly can. That's just something Nick is going to do. Yeah, I think. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be changes. And yeah, I think uh, it was moderately anonymous over there who said that people are definitely going to start reading the Magda Primer now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's so absolutely true. You might though. have to maybe uh, maybe get to alter it. Yeah, I mean, we spoke earlier uh, before we started just a little bit about the Brewers' advantage, which is extremely real. We we certainly saw the effects of it uh, in in Marchesa, and it, I think it would be it would uh, it would not be super wise to assume that you could uh, work that same advantage in this upcoming tournament. I think that definitely you need to go in there and uh, sort of just pull the juke and uh, get some different packages in there. I know that there was a lot of literal dwarves in the, yes. in, yeah, in the yes. Marchesa yeah. list, including vanilla one, one for one yep. dwarves. In, yeah. Like, there was, oh, uh, yeah. there were like some uh, notable ones dwarf. that like, uh, Hey, dwarf. Hey, Hey, let's, let's, Let's be fair. There are some good Dwarfing ones. Grunt has mountain walk guys. Come on. <laughs> there are some fair. ones that blow up non-basic artifacts, which is not nothing. Like that's one of the better dwarf effects, yeah. and that's pretty all right. I think some of them may even blow up artifacts. Uh, so you know, some gorilla dominant effects the in morph, the world. The zero mana morph is there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are some semi-defensible dwarfs, uh, the automaton included. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure, and metallic mimic stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, um, but that being right. said, what I, the point I'm trying to make is that there there are a lot of like very flexible slots, and there are a lot of very uh, interesting choices that can be made here. And there's there's so many things in red that you can play now. Um, March, uh, the red March is something that I have been very interested in. I haven't seen it pop up a lot in lists yet, but I think that's a really great card, and I think that we should like start seeing more of it, especially for combo based lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think one of the big benefits is when you can tutor up anything in that deck. You can put anything in the list. Mm. You can go completely out of left field, put something that nobody is expecting into that list at the last minute, and you can tutor it up with your commander and a couple of treasures. I've even seen Maskwood Nexus go into some of these lists, mm-hmm. and that's the yeah. first thing that they'll target yeah. is Maskwood Nexus. And then they have access to the entire toolbox of creatures in their deck. Yep. So, yeah, and you can yeah. easily go infinite as well with that if you get like a Zorn in play with one of those yeah. artifact yeah. dwarves. Yeah. Uh, and then it's your entire deck. It's just flip it over. It's in play. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is this is one of the things that I think is an interesting point to talk on is when we're looking at an enclosed group of thirty-two. We know that this is a group of thirty-two. We all know the we all know the quality of the players we're playing against, right? Everybody's familiar for the most part with what they're playing against. And compare that to an open tournament 
like Marchessa, where you don't know all hundred players, you don't know what they're bringing, you might not be familiar with everything. I mean, a great example of that is like Charles on Heliod. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the OG Heliod, so I'm sure everybody who sat down across from him was like, "What the hell is happening right now?" The amount of time um, the announcers had to say, "This is not the three mana Heliod that you think it is." Yeah, this is not Sun Crowned. <laughs> yeah, this is not Sun uh, Sun Crowned. This is right. not Ballista. Heliod, God, God of, of the, the sun. sun. Yeah. Um, and and that's it's just it's one of those things where I I, I wonder if, and I'm not saying the deck isn't going to be good in the MLC. I think it will be fine in the MLC, and especially because of what you were bringing up where you can just layer it so mm-hmm. so many different ways. Um I'm curious if it will if it will not be able to get the same under the radar status, right? Where it can sit back and let other people fight over other stuff and then just kind of Fall I mean, into wins sometimes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Not after winning two huge tournaments. It's yeah, no longer, right. Yeah, no longer under the radar. Certainly not. Exactly. But yeah, I, I think I think it's one of those decks that will still probably get ignored a certain percentage of the time and be able to sneak a win even in the very tight MLC mm-hmm. playing field. Because again, it's one of those things where. CEDH is like it's a very complicated game with a ton of decision points and at any point with the right pilot you can pivot and and win so uh I think that'll still happen and I think that's going to happen actually with like a fair amount of decks this year and because I think the pilot skill this year uh, now that I'm not playing, it's very, yeah. very high. So. Yeah, I remember there was that real plateau, and then there was Scott, who was like a million miles above everyone else. So. Oh, okay. I was really happy to hear that you were bowing out for the sanctity of the tournament and competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to skew the curve yeah. too high. So, yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. Oh, very I appreciate you. Uh, one, of, one of the other things that I do want to kind of look at is uh, the other two lists there. We We know Charles was playing you know, Charles, uh, a Charles deck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're looking at two different lists here. And one of them, there were two uh, Hermit Druid lists that made top 16. One was Reed, uh, Sick Robot, playing Sacred Hermit. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one that made top four is just kind of old school Hermit Druid, Breakfast Hermit. Um and then uh, when we look at that, I mean, when we look at where people are drafting and we'll get into this a little bit later on and the way it's sounding, the first bunch of picks are going to go. I mean, uh, is, is the likelihood that the Hermit Druid piles go earlier rather than later? Scott, I mean, I would allow I mean, you I to speak versus I- the Hermit Druid. <laughs> thanks yeah yeah actually the other day someone referred to me as the thrasios timna guy and i was are like they wait wrong? a second <laughs> i'm sorry are they wrong? i don't know i don't know that they're wrong okay. yeah why are, are you I shocked had three thrasios <laughs> yeah, timna decks the same, a notable at the same amount. time before. more than two is like a notable I have amount a couple, of any i have deck. a thrasios timna deck on the database whatever <laughs> someone, someone the other day was, was like oh yeah the thrasios timna guy mm-hmm. ask him okay thanks so i'll go first as the thrasios <laughs> timna guy uh one thing that I've noticed in that is in that like open meta servers, Thrasios Timna Hermit Druid is is a very good deck mm. because here's the thing. It's just uh Oracle Consult 
mid-range deck. And all of these different Thrasios Timna decks, whether that be Razigats or even like something like Rectorfit or or CST, they're all kind of trying to assemble the same type of game plan. Right. Uh, and they have other chunks in them that let them pivot to different things. Uh, so Hermit Druid, I think, is a really, really good... It's I feel like Hermit Druid is baby's first Thrasios and Timnalus <laughs> because you have the option of just playing Oracle Consult, you have the mid-range option, and then you can just put a two-drop green creature into play and say, if you don't do anything about it, I win the game next turn. Especially with cards like uh, Savine's Wreck and Malevolent Hermit being able to be mm-hmm. flashback into Benevolent Geist, and you've got so many different ways to win the game. I think if someone is unfamiliar with TNT and is picking early and wants a TNT deck, Hermit Druid is probably the first one that they'll take. And I think that the tournament success that Hermit Druid has had just kind of uh, furthers furthers its appeal to people who haven't necessarily played it before but are drafting higher mm-hmm. this year. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's an extremely solid pick. It is it is like the boomer junt of the CEDH meta and just that it's <laughs> Which extremely solid. Which you can solid. play again in modern. Can you? That's fantastic <laughs> yeah. news. I you actually can't play Boomer Jones that. again. That's lovely to hear. Shout Excellent. out to Reduke. Because Luris sure is gone. You can play Boomer Jones. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just completely rock solid. It does the thing. It's got tons of value just from side to side. It's it's a really good pick. I feel like it is perhaps under-respected in the current meta. There is certainly like people out there who are just like of the opinion that any dork deck is just like a little bit too slow, which like they're not completely wrong about like the Grixis X decks are very fast and they don't need dorks. Um, but those decks are still, you know, they're putting in tons of work and it's still, there's still plenty of value to be had in those decks, obviously, because it's just a mirror with extra frills on the end of it. With extra steps. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> a little splash of Celestia. Well, and it's, it's also important to know. And I think we saw this last year. One of the things that we kind of thought going in was you were going to see, a lot of those turbo lists doing really well early on in the turn order. And then we saw that just not be the case whatsoever Um, because everybody, because you know, the turn order, the turbo list actually did better later in turn order last year, which was hilarious. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I mean, the MLC meta is very different from, you know, an open tournament meta, you know, all the decks that are available, uh, you know, you know, they're most, and, and you look at the database, which is what a lot of this is based on. You know, that they're very dork heavy, mm-hmm. uh, very mid rangey on the database. And um, you know, the pilots as well, you know, mm-hmm. the matchups. I mean, that's yeah. a big advantage too. Absolutely. knowing who you're sitting down across from in an open tournament versus the league environment. Mm-hmm. Big right. difference. So here's ultimately there you can hear my voice is still not completely back. Um, here's what I want to do now. Uh, let's take a look at uh, the first 10 picks of the draft. And just to remind you, the first 10 picks in this draft are in order. Uh, Nick Predatory Pickle, uh, Dr. Michael Levine, uh, Mana Dork from Puerto Rico, Mord picking fifth is Cobblepot, sixth is Claire, seventh is Deco, Eighth is Flower, ninth is uh, Veil of Death, and tenth is Ryan from Oregon. And uh, the big thing that we know here is, so we're pretty confident Nick 
is going to be uh, picking Magda number one. But we talked about this a little bit off the air, Chris, and we do have some information from the uh, Dr. Michael Levine camp where it does sound like there is a particular mono white commander that's not going to go in the second pick. Dear God, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I'd really like to see Heliod go early too, based on the performance from Marchesa. But mm-hmm. who, who knows? Uh, I mean, like I, I had a tough time p- pinning down a lot of these picks because yeah. uh, in a post Marchesa world, Everything's been turned upside down. We made our picks two weeks ago, and the scene has changed, essentially. So many players have the Marchesa experience mm-hmm. backing their picks now. We we had so many people picking comfort drafts mm-hmm. early. When the three of us discussed last time, it was, hey, people are going to go with what they've got reps in. People are going to go with what they're familiar with. People are going to go with their pet decks. Now... There's a distinct advantage that's seen from going with these fringe lists that nobody's played against, that nobody knows what's coming. Uh, and having that unknown factor in your back pocket is going to be a huge advantage. Yeah. We've seen it steal wins. Going with some of the new lists that people can draft with brand new commanders, brand new strategies, not knowing what vector they're working on, that's enough to win people rounds. That's yeah. enough mm-hmm. to win matches. Here and uh, I, my entire top ten pick has been anything could happen. Right. Uh, anything I could make these predictions. We could sit down and Nick could not pick Magda first. Yeah. Right now, now Maybe that Magda is a known quantity. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's definitely in talking with Nick when he was trying to figure out what he was going to pick first. Uh, Elsha was the other deck in the conversation because mm-hmm. that's. That's his other. That's his other best deck. So we could see the big curveball from Nick. I haven't. Right. I haven't heard anything about it. But what if he does? Right. I would hope right. to see. How does that a impact the top ten pick as the first pick? Because I, well, here I think I think like pretty much I've seen the three of your mock drafts and they all have I think more taking Elsha. But how does the top ten get messed up if Nick pulls Elsha first? Well, I have right? I have a report here. Uh, oh, from the, the uh, yeah, 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 hot off the press. Whoa, um, it was really I, I, I have, I have a report tape. here. Um, this is actually put my, a ticker uh, on the bottom. I, I like can't <laughs> actually show <laughs> the closest piece of paper I had was from the IRS, so I like actually can't show that. <laughs> uh, but uh <laughs> just dox yourself uh, right away social security numbers crap you'll be helping me anyway uh, uh Credit can't get worse right so <laughs> biggest biggest news that we got from marchessa was in discussing things with uh dr levine as it does sound like he is planning on taking winota for that mm. second draft pick um and it, it it sounds like that's a pretty solid pick um there is some concern from what I've discussed and heard that if he takes that, that Charles will take Heliod on the back end, mm-hmm. but also in talking with Charles, Charles sounds like he's pretty okay with not drafting Heliod also. Uh, so 
it's very interesting because so so right now I'm looking at my my top 10 and is Charles going to put out a 72 tweet thread about why he's not going to pick? It's you just going to get progressively longer and longer and longer. It's right? actually just it's 69 this time. Yeah, 69. <laughs> paired, it, paired it back a little bit. Um, I mean, to Charles' yeah, uh, a point there, like, you, you know, you can pretty confidently think that besides uh, Michael, who is going to pilot that deck well enough to, like, make it worth it to even devote your choice to that? Like you might be afraid of Michael taking that deck and doing very well with it. But I mean, honestly, I feel like Michael is like also just going to try to pick more aggressive decks, even if that is his pet deck. I mean, Michael's a really good player and he definitely knows how to rock a table with a variety of things. So absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, my prediction there is uh, it, it sounds like Winota is probably going there. I could also see. I, I don't think it's unprecedented that Michael will take something like. Najila, uh, if he really wants to shake things up, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think I think he really wants Winota because it is probably it, it is, and this is a direct quote from him. Hold on, let me get my paper back here. Um, <laughs> it is a direct quote from him. It is the best stack deck in the format. Uh, so I'm inclined to agree. To I think yeah, it's got a good track record. I I, I would say in the MLC, I'm curious if it's the best one or if it you know if there's another really good stack stack out there. there's a lot of stack stick in this field yeah, yeah that's fair. I, I i think it's certainly it, it's up there as one of the better ones um mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. there are many good ones and i i shouldn't be so quick to say it is like the very best but i would definitely agree with like top five easily i think yeah. last year we saw a severe limitation of winota in that the the moon effects probably weren't the greatest into the mlc just because mm-hmm. uh oh, there was a a high number of, of one, two, and three color decks because they're last year we just used the CEDH decklist database. Right. You can only use the color distributions that are there. So uh I think I think Winota was good. I think Winota was good last year and it went fairly early in the draft, but I think it will require some tailoring to be the best deck in the format mm-hmm. for this particular league type yeah. of format for sure. I think right. it's gonna very much have to be him taking the list and then looking at what are the lists that are in my division and then yeah. kind of tinkering to make it look like play well into that. Cause you know, if you just, I mean, you could take the stock list, but I think that might not, we saw this last year, right. Where the stock lists kind of struggled a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah. I, I, the flexibility of knowing who you're going to be up against in your division and mm-hmm. tweaking the lists is going to be wild because we're going to be able to see a lot of medicals in here. Right. Uh, at the third pick is Mana Dork, who uh, is our representative from Puerto Rico. And uh, he is a big fan of Joyra Storm. And uh, I think Joyra is probably where he's going to be going. And, you know, unless you guys have talked with him to get something other than that, it sounds like Joyra is – he. It, he very much wants to be in a position where he is comfortable with mm-hmm. what he is playing. And I, yeah. I, I think that is definitely an, a fair way of a, taking yeah. this draft. If you are a new player. Oh, if you're a new player, especially, yeah, you don't want to like, you know, jump into the deep end right off the bat, especially if you like, if you're new to CDH or new to tournament experiences, it's, it's a lot mm-hmm. to take in and to take a comfort uh, pick, especially if you're like, 
very high up on the list and you know you get to get your pick of just about whatever you would like it makes a lot of sense to take that pick i think that there are many like seasoned players who would take a different approach than that i mean we're just discussing the mono white players not taking the mono white decks and just trying to take something a little bit more favorable but i mean there's uh there's certainly nothing wrong with taking the comfort picks it is maybe not the most advantageous way to go about your picks but um it'll it'll serve you for sure it'll you'll get some points from for taking a deck that you know how to play yeah and keeping in mind that he's picking again early in the second round Mm -hmm. as well means that you can grab something comfortable round one and then still have your pick of good decks round two as well you can go with something that's just high floor round two Mm -hmm. or you can start grabbing fringe decks that have that advantage of nobody knows how these work Mm -hmm. yeah definitely i mean i think i think we saw people try and do that last year like uh comedian picked uh yidris consult yeah. fairly early on mm-hmm. and that deck was was it was kind of an unknown quantity it had been it had been a, a known cedh deck probably a year or two before the mlc happened and and being able to retool it and and build it the way that he wanted because of the building restrictions last year uh you know it ended up working out it's a it's a really cool deck and i think we're gonna see that I think we're going to see that from the really smart people in this draft class. Well, I think you, you'll see them picking the oddball choices that are like still good, the traditionally good, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but slightly out of favor. Like you'll see, you'll see the real sharks this year picking decks like like Zur. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I think I think Zur is going to be one of those like tactical picks. For from someone like a cobblepot or a sick robot yeah. or something like that. I could definitely see that. Right. The ones that are confident enough to retool the deck yeah. as well. Like the they yeah. have the the established uh the established archetype and then being able to gut it and retool it for this environment in particular, that's a huge leg up for the people that are builders mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that I had a conversation with Ian about over the weekend uh, of how he and I are both kind of in the same position where we think that uh, Zur is going to drop fairly far like it did last year. Um, but, you know, one of his concerns with the deck is, you know, a lack of knowledge on Zur, mm-hmm. right? And how to build it and how to play it. And yeah. so it is interesting you bring that up because I do think that somebody like a Cobblepot yeah. or a, uh, you know, sick robot, somebody like that who been in the CEDH world for ever, right, um, will definitely be more comfortable to take those types of lists yeah. than somebody like Josh, for instance, mm-hmm. who started playing CEDH in uh December 2020. Um, so there's, there's certainly some of that at play there. Yeah. One of the things I'm interested in Scotty is moored here at four. Now we're all kind of pretty confident that if things go at, you know, insert Joker meme here, all according to plan, uh, that when it comes to moored, it's going to be, uh, El Shatop. but let's say, Things go off off the rails. Nick throws us a curveball and takes Elsha round one. Uh, or really anybody in front of him takes in front of Mord takes Elsha, right? Uh, yeah. Where do you think Mord falls on this then? Because 
that's his deck. And where do you go from there? So I know where I would go from there. And I, I do not have, I guess, uh, much experience with Mort. But I know if I were an El Shatop player and someone drafted El Shatop before I could, I would go with either uh, because you're drafting at number four and it seems like Magda is going number mm-hmm. one. I would just grab Blue Farm mm-hmm. because that is Jeskai plus Black and plays similar breach play patterns and has a similar stormy feel. Or if you're hell bent on getting Jeskai, you can get Jeska Ishai or Hinata, and you you maintain those same mm-hmm. kind of breach play patterns that you're comfortable with, which is what. I would do for my number one pick. I would I would take the best deck with the same play patterns. Yeah. Does that mean that Mord is just, grabbing the reality chip in like round three or four? <laughs> well, only if Jim doesn't take the beloved octopus. <laughs> like there is the chance that Jim just takes the beloved octopus. And the thing that we have to really be cognizant of is the fact that Rebel is random yes. picking. Yeah. So who knows? She's not the that's only one that's been after round one. What is she? Is she the only one this year who's random picking? I feel like there's maybe one other person who said that they would. I don't. There might be one other person. I might be thinking but, of uh, uh, Ian who did last year. Ian didn't random pick. Uh, Phoenix no. let chat pick for him. Okay, <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, Phoenix. Um, yeah, Phoenix let chat pick for him. So he uh, he. It wasn't random, but he definitely had uh, outside assistance, so it were. Uh, <laughs> assistance yeah. with yeah. heavy air quotes on that one. <laughs> anything, anything after round one is, is like, totally buck wild. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm saying anything after the first five picks, like, everybody's wants are going out the window here. Yeah. Like, again, we can, we can predict this, and we can predict the top ten here, but, like, the first three people pick something that we aren't predicting and it cascades yeah. through the rest of yeah. round one. Absolutely. Well, and yeah, and one very important pick here is going to be one cobble pot who I absolutely no clue what he's going to draft. <laughs> I, yeah. he, the, he's saying on Twitter at La Polani and I, We'll eat my shorts if that's actually <laughs> what he is doing, because that is I, I, I remember having this. I, I was standing in the parking lot outside of Mox uh, boarding house with Shaper and we're talking about this and Shaper just goes, Cobble, I love you. But I've been trying to make that deck for three, make that deck work for three years. It just don't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, but you know, it's, uh, I can't get a read on where Cobblepot's coming from. Uh, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that it might be Thrasios Clark based on some of the recent stuff he's been playing and brewing and showing us Mm -hmm. on Twitter. I I think, uh, Derevi is, yeah, Yeah. like there's a lot of those things where it's like, you yeah. have no idea where Cobble's going to go. So, like, my best guess is Thrasios Clark, but like, Cobble is one of those players who could pick anything, yeah, and just be a great pilot or completely rewrite the deck in yeah. between draft and playing it as well. And he'd be one of the ones that I'd be confident to completely retool a list, keep it within the spirit. But 
show up to the table with a completely unknown vector. He's I'm going to get the submission from Cobble, and <laughs> it's going to say, now hear me out. Uh, <laughs> How loosely do I have to fit in this archetype? <laughs> now hear me out. This this fits in, but you got to look at it from this angle. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, all right. going to give uh, you a deck list and a dissertation. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, coming in that sixth, we know Claire intends to, if it gets to her, take Karkashima, which, okay, this is going to be, a. I kind of want to touch on this a little bit. This was a big pain point from the tournament uh, of Marchesa is how brutally awful the Kark uh, Sakashima games were mm-hmm. for literally everybody involved. Um I heard something. I only yeah. saw Ken tweet his his offer for free assistance to teach people how to play Kark. Literally, nobody. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think Hal, Hal was the most experienced pilot mm-hmm. on that there, and I love you, Hal. Hal made tons of mistakes with it, tra- resolving the triggers, where I'm like, I don't know if anybody quite knows how to resolve these triggers correctly. Um, I think the 75-minute timer pressure at Marchesa yeah. really put like a huge pressure on the pilots and it's the same timer in MLC. It's 90 minutes or it's uh, a hundred minutes. Excuse me. A hundred minutes. Okay. So a little bit more time to work out your lines and a little bit more time to roll with the non-deterministic punches. I mean, I heard tale of the apocryphal 50 minute Krark turn after turns had been called in a conquest game of Krakashima. Wow. At Marchesa, yes, that did happen. So uh, I've I've heard that there that there was some wild things going on with Krakashima, but I think the the thing that'll be different about the MLC compared to Marchesa and Krakashima is that these people have two months mm-hmm. to get ready. Like at at this point, they've had they've known they're playing for this long. The draft is next is soon, but like in a in a fair amount of time. And then and they'll then have a month starts. after the draft, yeah. right? You know, and then right. there's a month after the draft for them to get ready. So if, if they need to test the deck, if they need to learn the lines, they have hundreds of hours. And if they don't know them, it's their own yeah. fault. Right. Yeah, I mean, on, speaking on Hal's behalf, I know that he was only playing Clark and Sakashima for like, I think, five weeks before Marchesa. Yeah. It was a very like, yeah. He was the best Krakashima player in that field. Great pilot, yeah. Like he's he's very gifted. It was. But, um, I also know it that was Hal just a very to, like have fun and uh, yeah. turn up. So you know, sometimes we have sloppy day twos or even day ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and so one of the things that will be important to know is that we are going to have a dedicated person on staff with the Krakashima calculator. Uh, That's great. Running it for them. That is really that is IMOC's job. Wow. Uh, IMOC's job for the tournament or for the the entire league is that if somebody is playing Kark, IMOC is running the Kark Karkulator app for that person. Uh, because it is an open source app. Mm-hmm. So we had we had this huge long meeting about do we want to allow Kark? Do we oh, want to allow <laughs> them to use the calculator? And if so, how do we do it? And so IMOC's job is to literally, oh, 
Kirk is being played. I'm sitting in the VC of that pod and <laughs> running the Crocculator app for them. Well, yeah, that's what uh, I was thinking is the big difference between even just playing Quark in non-tournament and tournament settings is that when you're in a non-tournament setting, you reveal the Gataxian probe or the Jessica's wheel and you ask if everyone wants to scoop it up. And if your opponents know enough about Kark and Sakashima, they say, yes, that's good enough. Um, but you can't just do that in a tournament setting because you have no idea what yeah. the actual win condition is. So you really do have to like the the Kark, the Crocculator is a very good tool to be able to pick up the pieces there and be able to speed that up and make it a lot smoother and uh, thankfully make it a lot more possible. Because I can imagine just the logistical nightmare of trying to judge Kark and Sakashima in a tournament setting. Yeah, at the at the I, at the yeah. uh, Marchesa, I think I said this to Nick, but I'm like, it, it literally any time there is a, a Kark player, you almost have to have a dedicated judge at the table. Absolutely, yeah, because hundred percent. Oh yeah, because it's one of those and things where like, I'm there's sorry, Scott. so much storm math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where like on the on the other side of the coin of not knowing a deck is not knowing a deck well enough, or just having interacted with it enough, and that's something that Kark and Sakashima yeah. always has, where people have either not played against it enough or not quite there on exactly how to interact Here's, with it and you really got to know how to interact with it for the players who are playing at home and you're playing you see crook and sakashima in your in your local meta here is a quick uh hot tip from your good friend callahan just remove the crook don't mm-hmm. let it resolve you know what Volcanic you know what i mean fallout that's just, a card that yeah, will make a crook player cry don't ever yeah, let it resolve also also <laughs> don't don't listen to ken mm-hmm. never yeah, <laughs> well, no, Ken is very Kark. forthcoming with like how to defeat the deck, but not when you are playing a game with him. Do not listen to any of the bullshit yeah. that Ken says to you. Other players <laughs> right. in the MLC yeah, exactly. are speaking to you right now. When Ken casts something and he says, oh, don't worry, it's just a this thing. The next card that he has in his hand is going to make you fucking cry. Am I allowed to swear? I want to yeah. see a yeah, Photoshop you're, you're of okay. Ken's head on Wormtongue's body, <laughs> just whispering <laughs> counsel into your ear while he's playing Kark. Ken is yeah. a fucking liar. Everything he says just, is just, bullshit. If Ken says, if Ken says, "Oh, this deck will function fine without Kark," you oh. can remove the Kark. Don't listen to Ken. <laughs> Just but also remove the Kark. I remember the, the good old days when you would steal a Kark from Ken and he would say, good, I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh. So looking past Claire, so we've got this top six. Najila hasn't been taken yet. And we get to Deco and uh, we we have talked with Deco. Uh, so we have a little bit of an idea of what it, he's thinking about. But uh, from what it sounds like, if Najila is not an option, uh, Mad Farm is the backup plan here, which is we'll really make interesting. Millennium cry. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, he will be very sad. But I know Deco has lots and lots of hours on that deck. He likes it a lot. It's a very strong deck, and he's a killer mm-hmm. pilot. So I mean, it makes a lot of sense for that to be his backup choice in that scenario. Mm-hmm. And both hours on both Mad Farm and Florian and other Rakdos Turbo Nauseless. Which Mad Farm is essentially Rakdos Turbo Nas plus some silences, right? It's, and, it's, it's Rakdos Turbo Nas, but yeah, and with, Rakdos, sure. but with Timna, you know, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I think uh, that, that that's the most dangerous of the picks in here is when there's a high value floor deck and a pilot that has the reps mm. right in the deck. That those are the most dangerous first picks that we need to see yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it it'll be interesting to see if somebody takes Najila before Deco. Because I think Deco really falls into that Pongo category of like is so experienced on this list. You might not want that person to have that deck. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, is someone in Deco's division drafting before Deco? That's the real uh, question. Let me look. Good question. Uh, because Man- I don't have is that. Is Manadork in the same division as No. Uh, Manadork is in the same division as Killstars. Um, but let me. Claire is picking ahead of Deco. Claire, uh, because Claire had to switch over to the to the Gatewatch. Mm. Um, it was originally going to be Hal over there, so those two had to swap uh, divisions. So Claire will pick before Deco. Um, so she could theoretically take Najila, but that does no. also mean that Ken probably get or somebody is that's not her is getting Karkashima. Najila and Claire, both strong woman icons. Yes. (laughs) I have spoken to personally about it and I have advised her do like with, if it isn't within your power, do not let Ken have the Kark and Sakashima deck because he will absolutely lose every single time. Um, And she seemed pretty determined to pick up Kark and Sakashima as her pick. And of course, like, you know, anything can happen. We could see Nick first pick Kark and Sakashima. I, me and Ken would be cheering. It's not going to happen, but (laughs) I I know that one is not going to happen. I am, I similarly will eat a pair of my shorts. <laughs> yeah. That's two. Yeah. That's two on record yeah, for this podcast two alone. Two offers of consumption of shorts. <laughs> but I know that Claire has also been practicing a lot with uh, a lot of the uh, the database decks. She's been playing a lot of Grixis decks, yeah. a lot of uh, Urza and things like that. So she's got some other core decks that are like super solid lists that I know that she would feel pretty comfortable first picking if somehow Kark and Sokka doesn't get to her. But it seemed like from our last conversation, at least, that it was pretty firm that that was going to be our first pick. Yeah. 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 Are, are we the, still on that vibe. like no Kark lists are going to make it to Ken. I think Kark <laughs> so gets, I think Ken is I going think to Ken get, gets vape farm. Yeah. I think Ken gets Marduk. I think someone would be foolish to take yeah. vape farm from Ken. And I think Ken yeah. would also be foolish to take vape farm. <laughs> Sorry. Ken. I think. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> kind of agree. Yes. Ken, I, I think. Don't take vape farm. I'm begging you. <laughs> the deck is. There, we, we, we could talk about the inclusion of that deck, uh, but some other time off line it's not a bad uh, deck but, by any means but for that to be your first no, round pick it's, yeah, okay, yeah and, it's not a first round pick uh, <laughs> Ken could <laughs> pick that last when I said pretty that. safely yeah. uh, and that's a Mardu Timna list so uh, <laughs> but the thing is the other one is Krark <laughs> <laughs> it's the Mardu Timnalist not playing Adnaz though right that's true so. I think it is only on Citadel and maybe Pier but actually maybe, maybe not even Pier yeah that's hilarious it's more of a so for for reference, Ken plays like a pretty controlly Mardu Marchesa deck, mm-hmm. uh, and I think the Timna Krark is kind of a kind of like a tuning of that mm-hmm. with some Krark play patterns added. So Ken has a really interesting idea of of what Mardu can be, yeah. a, a, and kind of accentuates the controlly elements of it too. So I th- I think that is that deck is like a is like a Ken. It's like a Ken thing, though. Yeah. I don't think if you, I don't think if you put that in someone else's hands, they play, they pilot it to near the same efficiency. You know that, what? That Ken would. I'll say yeah. one other person could draft that deck and do okay with it, and that's Cobblepot. Cobble I was just about to say the only one thing, crazy yeah. enough to actually be okay with. Yeah, it. yeah. The thing I know about Cobble is that he just loves uh, just really complicated and convoluted decks, and that is certainly like that's within his his realm of experience of. Playing weird oh, yeah. quirk hand Dove, disruption. Dovescape Kenrith. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Advantage Thrasios. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah. Uh one of the other people that we kind of were discussing uh, a couple weeks ago here in this back half of this top ten 
is a flower. And originally we were all kind of like, well, we know flower likes Azusa. She's really comfortable on these uh, mono green decks. And then I get word that she is at Marchesa uh, asking sick robot to teach her how to play Cody. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it it sounds, sounds like Scotty's advice. I just need to pat myself on the back (laughs) a little bit here. And say that I did say maybe Winota or Cody. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm. And these ah, are the girl gosh, boss. I'm so proud of myself. Make, honestly, <laughs> like the like these are the kinds of moves that you want to see players making. I'm comfortable on this monocolor deck, but Cody's just it's Cody. So why not try to pick that as Cody my first pick? It's, I, yeah. I have, it's like, really hard to mess nice. up Cody. Yeah. Like <laughs> Cody is a deck that dumpsters tables. It's, it's fun it's fast. to play. Yeah, like it's just and, it's going to get for only yeah. you to play. Um, <laughs> that's okay that it's a league it's okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your your job is not to make everyone else have fun your job is to dumpster yeah, them absolutely right. yeah, yeah yeah and you can play one for fun afterwards if you want to there's no rules yeah. that whole last time yeah, you can play fun games and do a round two off the books mm-hmm. sure um, fun. It, it's interesting though so so cody is kind of where i think she's leaning i know she had like a handful of lists she was talking about over the weekend that she was like, you know, I want to get, you know, she's very much in the, where rubble was last year of going to the people who make those lists and being like, Hey, how do I play this? What do I do? Uh, Which it it, flower. If you're listening, that is 100% how you succeed in this format. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Talk to people who know more than you do about magic and they will teach you about it, especially in CDH. People love to talk about their decks in particular, like their own decks. They would love to tell you anything about it. Yeah, um, I, I I would I would hope that the performance of monocolored decks at Marchesa over the weekend bolster Flowers' confidence with mm-hmm. some of those mono green picks that she was bandying about too. Yeah, but I think also mm-hmm. you can safely say that I'll probably get a mono green deck pick too. Right, she's picking real early yeah, pick like, too. Like, it's not inconceivable by a long shot. Like we the, the, let's. I don't know. There's a world where higher picks Silvala in the first round, right? I gotta like, think he's going kin in mid range. Oh, Scotty, 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 <laughs> arguing with thing. that one. <laughs> well, okay. So here's the thing: Higher's drafting at like 27, 28. Mm-hmm. He is drafting uh, 29th. 29th. So uh, the thing is, Higher is a very good Silvala pilot, mm-hmm. and probably wants to make sure that he gets that deck. Mm. If Kinnon mid-range falls down to 29, I think he'll probably end up taking that. But I see a world in which higher nabs Selvala to prevent yeah. it from going into round two. Because Selvala a is a deck that if you cast Selvala round two or turn two, you try to win on turn three Every single game you play with Silvala, yeah. it, it just always does the that's, thing. That's so that's reminds me of games that I've played with Lavinia where I've had people, you know, going after me in turn order who kept like no land hands. And I turn one of Lavinia and they're like, oh, I can't play now. I'm like, my deck does one thing. You played jeweled Lotus in that deck to make sure you had yeah, more like, turn one Lavinia. Like, the the yeah. deck has one trick. OK, <laughs> yeah. it's a turn. Uh, yeah. If you if you mulligan to Mana Crypt and Mox Diamond, that's your own dang fault. <laughs> like, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes but i mean there's also marwin which is very similar 
uh, to uh, uh, Sylvan. It has a lot of the same play patterns. Yeah. Uh, Yisan is another list. It's a little bit more toolboxy, though, not as much of a, like... So- yeah. We saw Hal take Yisan last year, and I think round three. It was round and, three, I believe. Yeah, I was. And I think that there is some leaning from Hellenium's camp to try and take Yisan in a particular, in like a similar spot. I can see this that. Year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's yeah. a pod player, so it makes sense. That's certainly yeah. within his wheelhouse. And so I, I think I think if you want Yisan, you better get on it before well, Hal. Drops and there's the also a good good thing to note here is a outside of Yisan. All of the mono green decks pretty much play around the same axis, right? <laughs> Titania and Ashaya are not vastly different than Marwin and Selvala. In fact, I'm almost, I don't have the list memorized and right in front of me, but I'm almost 90% sure both of them play Selvala. Um, they play the, yeah, they just play the the other mono green right. combos inside. Uh, so it's one of those things where I think it's, you know, Flower, I think, can just pick high EV choices mm-hmm. and then whatever green yeah. deck is left, go for that. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. she's really outside of higher. The in higher really only likes Silvala. So outside of, you know, that, the only one who's going to be going after those. Um, Fair. As far as we know. Um, yeah. One of the things that will be interesting to see down here at ninth, we did get to have a little bit of a conversation with Veil of Death. And uh, Death does have uh, some particular cards uh, that he likes to play. Uh, the biggest of which he is a big fan of the Tevish style decks. Mm-hmm. So Tevish Thrasios, uh, Tevish Tana. I'm trying to think of what were what are some of the other ones. There's like Tevish, Tevish Ishai. Tevish Ishai. He does a Tevish uh, Krom, I think, as well. He's actually a patron of mine, so I've played a few. Tevish Krom is not in the format. Oh, there's no Tevish Krom. No Tevish Krom right? this year. Armix yeah. Krom yeah. this year instead of Tevish Krom. Yeah. Uh, and that is the 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 deck that if it gets to him, when I discuss things with death, it sounds like Armix Krom is the choice, which we saw top sixteen, um, Marchesa. Like mm-hmm. it, it it is. I I lost to uh, a. It was my own damn fault that I lost to it, but uh, Armix Krom in on stream <laughs> who was who was playing it sean uh from mr kermora uh, no no, no. Oh, nice. sean oh like yeah yeah sean from mr yeah. was nice uh yeah yeah he played an opposition agent in response to my spell seeker and i forgot the spell seeker is a may he's a may <laughs> and he That's won it. with my demonic consultation that i gave him it's a good card. because i'm an Ouch. idiot uh <laughs> so if you're around and you've been seeing my uh Jo- face of Josh with uh, Spellseeker as a may when you remember Spellseeker as a may ability. That's what that's in <laughs> reference to. That kept me out of top 16, friends and family. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's, you know, Armix Krom, and this is kind of something we talked about a little bit before. Is this kind of the new hotness right now? Is this Armix yeah. Krom deck that Mikey's been. It's certainly you know, like the pushing. flavor of the month. Uh, not to like take anything away from the deck in particular. I played uh, Mikey playing this deck plenty of times. Mikey's a great pilot. So like, obviously he's going to do very well, but it's a very well constructed deck. It's, it works on really good pivot points. It's got some really unique control pieces like wandering archaic in it. It's, it's a really solid deck. I think, honestly, it plays really well. And especially into this sort of top. environment where you are worried about yeah. Najila's windows and things like that. Having that removal in the command zone is really, really nice. I had another boneheaded play against Arm. Both of my really boneheaded plays in that tournament came against Armix Krom, 
and it was I had Swan Song in hand, and they go to cast Dark Ritual, and I'm sitting there, and somehow I let Cal. Uh, from playing with power, talk me into this is like, eh, it might be like an ad nauseum. I'm like, yeah, it's probably an ad nauseum main phase. No, it was a bolus of Citadel. And I'm sitting there Bolsa and I'm Citadel like, I should have countered goddamn. Yeah, yeah. Can't swan song that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So all of my boneheaded plays from this tournament were against Armix. <laughs> I think that there are a fair amount of decks with that kind of Demir slash, uh, Grixis core mm-hmm. that are just a large uh, amount of very good cards with some minor synergies built in. So I think like Armix Chrome is a really good one to draft in that spot. And I think if Armix Chrome somehow doesn't fall to death, like you've still you've got like Kess yeah. and Jaleva and Timnachrom. Nala and, if you like, like have the have the Nala uh, Spellseeker, right. Yeah. There's I know that also on their radar is four color Luris. Mm-hmm. Um, That's, which is yeah. like which is in my opinion if you're trying to do the turbo Nas thing in four color or in Sands Green then it's like I think that's the better way to go in my opinion mm-hmm. because it's so low to the ground it's just so fast um, you do lose out on the, like the Rhystic Studies and the Ranger Captains of the world though which yeah. are, are hits for sure you do but I think one of the okay the soapbox time uh <laughs> We've we've discussed that we have to, uh, what is it, blue farm listed as a mid range deck as because farm in our category classification is listed as kind of like a newer version of these mid range adnos lists mm-hmm. that we used to get right they're mid they're these adnos they're creature heavy adnoseum lists and those tend to be much they're timna have they're timna creature heavy adnoseums and. Those tend to be more mid-rangey than other uh, things. And there is a vast opinion. Rebel and I have talked about this ad nauseum. No pun intended. Um, Actually, all the pun intended. Excuse me. Um, Is that people kind of play blue farm in the wrong way, uh, which is that they try to play it like it's a turbo deck where it's really just this high EV, you know, you know, it can Every go card is good. All the cards are yeah. good. Yeah. Where it's yeah. really just Very a grind. high floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and why I tend to be like, if you want to play four color turbo Nas, you should play baby blue farm because that's the one that actually does go really fast. That's yeah. the faster of the yeah. two. Yeah. And it's I actually. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, I was just going to say that it actually is built to support going really fast like that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And it's same when like uh, personally with my cast deck, I don't run like the Fierce Guardianship and the uh, Deflecting Swatches because when you lose out on those chunkier pieces, it's a lot easier to go fast and put your head down and kind of get there. Right. Uh, yeah. I think there are going to be many times in this league where you're going to need to pivot to those longer games where like the things like Rhystic Study especially really help out a lot. But I, I certainly agree with you. Yeah, the baby blue farm is like the the optimal way to go quite fast in those four colors. I think I think baby blue farm is a really is a really neat deck, but it's one of those decks that um, I I read a conversation today about how farm has lost all of its meaning <laughs> and how basically the origin of farm was uh, quote unquote. A River May Cry written fan fiction about Timna and Bruce. And that's where Farm came from. 
So as long as you write a fan fiction in your primer equivalent to that, you can call your deck farm. Was the discussion that I read just today. I think we have kind of slipped away from the idea of farm meaning somewhat like zoo, mm-hmm. uh, that that kind of same meaning, uh, accruing value off of creatures and 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 Timna and that kind of thing. So baby blue farm, four sealer, whatever. I, you I just call, call it, it four it's color turbo nas. Four, Four color lures turbo. That's a good. There you go. That's a good. It's, that's a good name for it. Um, because it's really not a farm deck, exactly like yeah. you were saying. And you know, and I, I think blue farm does fall into that farm category, but it's not like people. People hear farm and are like, farm has to go fast, and it's like, no, it's it's just a different way of playing mid range adnaz, and right. it's it that's, crude value over time. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And I think that's one of the things where the to your point is the the definition of what farm is is people are like oh it's a it's a turbo deck and it's no it's a mid range list my friend um, and that is I think I think Rog Silas is what ruined the name farm because everybody called Rog Silas a farm deck when it's really not a farm deck even in the slightest and they're like well you're farming Rograk it's no, it's a turbo list. Like, technically, no, you, you are right in that definition. To a color yeah, like, yeah, and then you win the game. That's a farm deck. It's called murder knobs, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, that's, at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's murder knobs. Agreed. We can't yeah. all be. We can't all be Pongo and just have the nuts on turn one on that deck, though. <laughs> um, so when we get down to Ryan. I tried to get Ryan to give me any indication of what he will be drafting. And the indication is he's going to take whatever four color pile he likes the most when it gets to him. That would be uh, my strategy too. I understand that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, that's, I think that's a perfectly valid strategy. To I take. think that's one of the best strategies, if not the best to have, honestly. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know what? I, I would love, I, I, I kind of suspect Razakats might get pecked picked there mm-hmm. uh but uh, like like you all have said like it could be any of them and it really might just depend on where ryan is sitting and you know yeah. how he's reading yeah. the room uh who who in his division is picking before him uh that is a good question let me look uh at ryan's division and mm-hmm. nobody is picking before mm-hmm. him so he is picking yeah. the first there out of that so um, he's really setting the tone for that division with First pick. Yeah, his his right. division is Sage, Ken, Hire, and those are the four there. Um, and that's the uh, Coalition <laughs> West. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good division yeah, right yeah. there. But uh, when you've got your your pick of anything, and we had predicted a lot of people going with comfort picks here, that means that when you're picking ten, there's going to be a lot of just generally good stuff available to you and if you're comfortable piloting anything you just take the best of whatever comes to you in that position Mm -hmm. and you're sitting pretty yeah so if if i'm him drafting intent there i am taking something like razakats or hermitruid if if you're going for that kind of thing because the picks that i think you're going to see really early are sage taking omnath Force breach or valky it could be either that or valky I think Sage has said they're taking Omnath. I know that they have been exclusively uh, practicing with Omnath. On the moderately anonymous stream, they did say, I'm testing out my first pick in the NLC draft, Omnath. And then they didn't play anything else. Yeah, and then they played nothing but Omnath. So I think it's a fair, fair, fairly, fairly set in stone that that they'll be. 
And that's what they said Omnath. when I reached out yeah. last time mm-hmm. as well, that 4C Omnath was their first pick there with Valky coming in second. And I think Valky's yeah. going to be able to go like third too. And after that, I think you're going to see higher taking either Kinnan mid-range or Kenrith mid-range. Uh, and then uh, Ken will take... Ken will pilot anything well, realistically, but I think Ken has more of a mid-range bent mm-hmm. traditionally. Mm-hmm. So, I think if you're if you're Ryan, you and you're trying to set the tone, you want to take it. I think Omnath is going to get played three times, or whatever the max is. Three. Uh, yep. Yeah, Kenrith will get played three times. So you want to take the deck that will play into that pod. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Here's, here's what I want to, here's what I want to talk about. There's, there's two more things I want to touch on before we, we wrap things up today. One is what does Jim do here at 12? Because I've heard, I've talked to Jim a lot. I know Chris has talked to Jim a lot and I know that there's a lot of things that Jim is looking at. And right now, when we're looking at what Jim is feeling, because I know we're, we're kind of memeing about, you know, the, the reality chip, but I know that the reality chip is not on his radar as a first round pick. So, you know, what? as far as what's coming out from the Spike Feeders camp, what are you hearing of so far, Chris? Well, uh, as of today, at time of recording, uh, they have just released a video where Jim is on Minsk Hulk. Mm. Okay. Oh. And that did top 16 Marchessa. So uh, I, w- I would look at that because oh, Jim has reps with it. Yeah. I, I think it's a bold choice. As well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's one of those rector style hulkless. I'm all, all here for it. Mm-hmm. It's very yeah. good. If you've ever been beaten by one, you know it's it's a difficult deck to interact oh, yeah. with once they're doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh yeah. But I, I would I would say he's looking at that very highly. And we had mm-hmm. a talk last night as well where uh, the grease fang list is very high on his picks too. But I'd expect that around two rather than around one. Mm-hmm. You would think so. Yeah. yeah. But Jim's a real it, wild card. Honestly, he loves his off meta decks. He definitely doesn't want to yeah. pick up a consultation deck. Although, I don't know, maybe he puts that aside for just the competition aspect of it all and just goes for something really strong. I kind of doubt it, but it, it's, you know, it's not a boss. I, I think he's going to pick something that he has the reps in, yeah. that he mm-hmm. has the the practice with. And and is, I think that Minsk Hulk ranks high up there. Is there room within the brewing restrictions for Jim to port bears in cars and Tevish Ishai? <laughs> like, can we just have Tevish Ishai bears in cars? Uh... <laughs> If he can manage to make it a humility uh, mid-range ad list, then sure. Like <laughs> you can pilot I don't see a why not. That actually sounds incredible into humility. I mean, that just means that he needs humility and ad in there. The rest of it can yeah. be whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. all that it means, yeah. right? I mean, it doesn't have to cast. Well, and that's so. Next, next question I have is. Is where is Shorakai going? Because mm-hmm. I know we've talked about how Shorakai is this. Really, I guess I'm asking three questions here, so bear with me. Um, Shorakai is the hot new commodity. It didn't yep. get a ton of play at Marchessa, but we know that it's been doing the rounds in the streaming meta. We know that it's been doing the rounds in the online meta. So do we think Shorakai, I mean, Shorakai surely is a first round pick, right? Honestly, all of my experiences against a Shorakai deck is them mulling very low and not being able to recover well from it. I don't, 
I haven't seen it perform <laughs> extremely well. So, I mean, like, no knock against, like, any of the people who are thinking about it and piling it. I haven't had any experiences sitting across from it that made me think it was a very good pick. I wouldn't have thought from my experiences with it that it's a, a good round one pick. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I I think that it, it's it's new and it's interesting, but I don't think that a lot of people have the reps with it right now or the familiarity mm. level with it right now to pick it this highly it's a very particular i could see it going that. late round two yeah i could see it going early round three uh but th- this early in round one or in round one at all probably not likely unless Ran- rebel randoms it uh <laughs> that's always that's possible. always a possibility right definitely yeah, possible. Asterisk, yeah. this whole episode <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, and then I, I think Shorakai is probably going like mid round two, <laughs> late round two, early round three, somewhere around there. Scott, I recently saw some discussion about Shorakai actually, where uh, it was stated, and I think this is this is particularly insightful. It has all the pitfalls that you get from playing blue white, but almost none of the advantages that you get from playing traditional <laughs> blue white commanders. Like a Grand Arbiter or Lavinia, yeah. you don't get that Staxy element to it. So you, it is a deck where you are required to both keep Stax pieces and card advantage pieces in your openers to get off the ground, mm-hmm. which is uh, particularly difficult. Paying four mana for your commander and, and tapping out is is like not necessarily where you want to be. And the activation cost is one mana. So even with your Jeweled Lotus land to start out you don't have your card advantage engine running until turn two. Right. Uh, So it requires, I think a pretty high amount of pilot skill and it requires really good mulliganing instincts. Mm. Uh, I think it's, I still think it's a great deck. It's a scepter deck that can play humility (laughs) and, and has access to all of the, and is also a poly tyrant deck. Yeah, which is insane. And has access to all the great like, counter magic and interaction of, of blue white, but it does take a little bit to get off the ground. So I think, uh, like Chris was saying, I think I think we'll see so late round two, early round three type of short guy pick. Uh, I, I don't think anybody has the rest with it yet. To I think Cobblepot would would potentially pick it. It is one of the. I think it's a deck that, that Cobble could pick. It's it one he's been yeah. brewing a lot, um, and so I could see him taking it. I don't know if he's taking it round one, but. No, um, I, I'd see that probably as Cobble's round three pick then. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. very I mean, interesting because fifth, when I talk so. to like Ian, Ian is expecting that like it's a deck that he would like to play and he's not yeah. expecting to even get to sniff it round one. I, huh. uh, yeah. I mean, so there's uh, the deck is like extremely hyped. It's a very cool new card. And when it gets going early, it destroys tables because it can play every stacks piece that hoses everything that you do, but draws two cards every turn. Mm. Like there's a lot to be said about that. So it's, it's very cool, but it's one of those decks where like mod was saying, like Dan was saying, if you mulligan poorly, you just, well, you don't play the game. Here's, you don't have a good game. Here's one of the things that, as a control player, first of all, I think it's a control deck, not a stack deck. Oh, a- absolutely um, is, yeah. And, the, and this yeah. is why I think people are running into that issue, is they're trying to play it like a stack deck, and you're going to find out real fast that that's not called... You, you have yeah. to play it like a control deck. You got to keep some and, like, weird sixes sometimes. It's definitely not a thing where you can mulligan and reload, because you do have to play table police playing that deck. Yep. And that's one of those things where I know uh, Mikey and I have had this discussion before where there's like two different philosophies on how you mulligan and you have like the Mikey, uh, 
you know, like philosophy of you mulligan really aggressively because that's like how you get the best opening hands and get off the ground really well. And then you have like the me philosophy of this is a good seven. I'm playing. Keep a good hand. I want to have. And the reason I say this, especially in colors like blue, white, where you don't have as easy access to great card advantage Mm -hmm. uh you keeping okay hands is oftentimes better than keeping really gas for card hands you know what i mean because like you're going to be able to sustain that over a long period of time because the whole point of playing these control things is controlling the board and guess what you can't do that if you don't have cards in hand yes Uh, no i actually hear if you're a master tactician you can win off of just the city of brass (laughs) so uh i had to mull down to the only the city of brass so that's the difference is you can't mull down to only city of brass in your short deck because that's not going to work out no, no, probably not. Yeah. Uh, the last question I have here is when we look at the Coalition North, which is the very highly uh, anticipated hell division of Ian Pongo, Reed, and Morgan. Yeah. Everybody. That's- uh, wow, what a great name. Uh, I literally, we were sitting in our Airbnb and I'm sitting here with Reed and uh, Morgan and Shaper and uh, Shaper's asking. And Ian is literally on the opposite side of the the uh, the house, basically, in the kitchen. But it's like an open concept, whatever. Uh, and Shaper's just like, so how did you get all four of them in the same division? You just see hear Ian shout from the other side of the room. It's because he hates me. <laughs> <laughs> Gerrymandering. <laughs> <that's Yeah>. <laughs> they put all four of them in the same division. Uh, so uh, that was, um, but with that knowledge there of that, that is that four pod is going to be quite, difficult to come out of mm-hmm. uh picking Gosh. first out of those four is spleen face at number 20 and i mean both he and reed brought a uh, sacred druid to uh marchessa so i think it will be interesting to see if and they pick back to back so i think those two are going to set the tone for that division real fast mm-hmm. oh yeah on mm-hmm. what they're yeah. picking for sure yeah, I, and and whichever one of them, I know, last year, uh, one of them took, uh, one of them took mid range, Sands White, and the other one took Hermit Sands White, like right in a row. Yeah. I think they both basically picked the same deck five times or four times <laughs> or whatever, uh, uh, because they they test against each other, yeah. they play games against each other, and. I have a feeling it's going to come down to them counterpicking each other. Mm. And then every game is going to be that uh, one meme where the dude bro has his arm around the girl with his hand out like he's explaining something. But it's going to be like Pongo and Ian are the girl. No, have you not seen the spleen splained meme? I did. I did see the spleen splaining (laughs) meme. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I. I I I seriously I love both of those guys. They're great guys. Uh but gosh, it will be long games. Yeah, that of division magic. is gonna it's be crazy. Gonna, oh yeah. Yeah. They're gonna be real. long. 
the the pod familiarity in that division there alone is going to dictate so Mm -hmm. much of how those games go yeah, we're going to hit the timer a few times, I think. <laughs> I would suspect yeah, so, yeah. I think so. Lots of, lots of politics and lots of discussions. About, ne- the, so, we kind of have an idea of, like, I, I expect that if we get to Adam Sliverboy, he's going to take Jessica E. Shy if it's available. And then round two, he'll probably take Arden, uh, Jess, or Arden Crom if that's available, because they're, he... He and I brew that. I said this on the last episode, but like they're his version of Jessica Ishai and my version of Arden Crom are like a handful of cards different. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like effectively the same decks with different. I almost I I might be incorrect, but I think his has his list of Jessica Ishai has Arden in the 99. Um, that seems like an so animated. like, yeah. Um, so like I, I fully expect him to go if Jessica Ishai is not available, just go right for Arden Crom because mm. he basically play. He basically already plays that deck. Um, but so then you get to like Josh and Killstars and Kai and Fukins and Ken and Pontus pick before Spleen. And it's really interesting because I know Pontus is looking at you know, a lot of four color piles. Um, you know, I know Fukins is looking at a lot of stuff, but Fukins is also, you know, do we think Fukins might take Goto round one? Because I, we know that that's what Fukins is very comfortable on. He is a Goto pilot. Goto's a very good deck. I, w- I would think that, like, in just terms of drafting, I would put that in the category of my mind of something that I could safely leave for a round two pick. But I don't know. People, people will definitely take some interesting choices we've already discussed this i know hokey kind of got bullied into picking it round one last year mm-hmm. but he did very well with it he t- took a lot of turn one wins didn't he he, he was like, three and zero with it yeah, yeah he didn't he lose did a well. single game with it but but still it's one of those decks is if somebody stops your line you're you just stop playing yeah <laughs> it's, it's depending it's on still... which particular line you go for there are some definite yeah just stop dead in your tracks so you don't get to do anything anymore i've treasonous ogred my way down to three life Exactly, exactly. And I mean, it, it's going to depend on when it's being picked mm-hmm. and what in the division is picked before mm-hmm. it, too, because yeah. you don't want to play like a Goto into a control heavier. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah, pawn. Right. That's the, the last thing that you want to do. Uh, so I, I think that that's going to depend. I think that it'd be a bold first round pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like Dan said, I think round two, it'd be a lot safer. So. Yeah. Well, uh, we are here towards the end of the episode and so this is going to come out here on monday and the draft is going to be live on youtube on the mind sculptors channel on uh here on saturday night uh may or not may april 9th and uh i don't know if we'll have an opportunity to get a quick episode in on sunday but um we the next time we talk will be after the draft. So uh, before we step away, just kind of final thoughts on things that kind of expect uh, Dan uh, final thoughts here on as before we head into this draft. Uh, I everyone think hard about those choices. Don't necessarily take the comfort choices. Definitely utilize the resources around you. Do, be like flower. Go up to people. Ask them about how their decks work. If you think they got the really good ones, if you if you got something that you haven't played before. Study your decks, study your opponent's decks. Don't listen to Ken Bauman at all inside of a game, <laughs> outside of a game. Very trustworthy person. 
But yeah, just yeah. good luck to all the players. I hope that everyone has a really great time with it. I'm very excited for what's coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, your final thoughts here tonight. We can make these predictions as much as we want, and we've made two rounds of these predictions now. And I think between now and the draft, things are going to change entirely again. Like mm-hmm. we, we've had people give us their picks a couple of times now, and it's been mutable. And I think by the time we we get to actual draft day, we could see like the first three decks picked, and then everything goes out the window. Yep. And honestly, I'm I'm living for that. I want <laughs> to see that. I want to see the chaos sowed immediately. Like we've been saying for two podcasts now that Nick's going to pick this Magda first pick, and if he doesn't, I think that that's just going to have everybody scrambling. I think yeah. everybody's I, going to be if he takes like Najila pick one, everybody's going to be like, well, shit. Um. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's going to it's going to send ripples through the rest yeah. of the draft. Absolutely. And, yeah. and that, that's exactly there, what I want to see. Yeah. Scotty, your final thoughts today. Uh, I kind of have the same thoughts as as the other two folks. Uh, I, I really think that uh, there is a lot of potential for people picking early in the draft to choose violence and blow everything up. And gosh, do I hope it happens. <laughs> the other thing is the other thing is that uh, this is a testament to the reach of the Mind Sculptors podcast that we've talked about these picks in the last episode. And I've heard people discussing how they're going to approach picking based on the information that they gleaned from the last episode. And I'm sure it'll happen again with this one. So hold on to your butts. I don't think, I honestly don't think we're right. Our top 10, I don't think it's right. I think it's going to change. It is a Schrodinger's cat scenario where we have, we have altered it. So we cannot know what its status is. Until we figure out exactly what it is, until we learn our draft day. Yeah. Yeah. This is Schrodinger's so, podcast. Schrodinger's, yeah, Schrodinger's podcast. Schrodinger's this is exactly draft. what it is. Uh, we have we have uh, we've changed it. We've we've offered stimulus to it, so it's gonna change. I, this is this is what I happened. wish that I wasn't the tournament organizer because if I if I wasn't, I would do the Scotty um uh, uh, thing where I would offer you five dollars if you draft Grease Fang in the first ten. <laughs> yeah, you can't uh, I can't do, do it, that. No, unfortunately, um, but if you do, I definitely uh, could tell you that you'll get a a sturdy hug. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hi, a, a nice high five. Nice high five. Your hugiverse. Uh, yeah. If you draft Grease Fang in the top ten, I think the deck's so cool. <laughs> Every time there I like go. pull up a list and start brewing it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this deck is so cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, well, that about wraps things up for us today. Thank you all for joining me uh, today and uh, giving us your perspective on this upcoming draft. Want to give a couple shout outs to some of our higher tier patrons of Justin, Michael Levine, CZ, David Snively, David Snively, excuse me, uh, Dianiches, Jason Bialik, Matt Boehner, and Senior Coupon. Uh, If you, too, would like to become a patron and you want to talk to us over in Discord, want to help contribute to not only the podcast, but the uh, MLC, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash the mind sculptors or check out the link in the description. Thank you again uh, for joining us and from all of us here at the Mind Sculptors. I'm Callahan, and we'll see you next time. I'm in line with the stars. I'm in sync with the earth. Ten toes deep, flower child from the turf. I never switch sides. Like, even when I die, I'm a ride for the squad. Ladder ties in the hearse. I've been on a vibe kind of hard to describe. I'm in between. I'm good and it's fine, but I'm
lights at the flat To be real, good to see me making moves while I'm at I'm still on the grind every time when I chat I'm burning down sage, keep the demons away When I write it, give a piece of myself to the page I don't do